You know, Julian, what is a, a real up and down season for the Toronto Blue Jays? Sometimes there's a power outage for the bats. Sometimes the pitchers get lit up. The bullpen can be dominant and then look vulnerable. Uh, we've honestly, we have seen and heard it all in 2022 so far. And there's still five weeks to go in the season. So I'm sure we're going to see some more wild and wacky stuff. But in the midst of it all is Alec Manoa. He is he is as good as it gets, right? I know he's had a few down innings or outings, pardon me, uh, over the course of the season. There's no doubt about it. Pitchers will have those. Everyone from Shohei Otani to Garrett Cole to Sandy Alcantara will have down, down outings. But we have gotten a real tree from him these past couple of games, right? We've gotten the, the outing last weekend against the Angels. I know they didn't win that game, but still seven innings of one-run ball against Shohei Otani, a great pitching duel. And tonight, another seven innings, over seven innings of work from Manoa. He gets out of a jam in that seventh inning. You and I have actually talked about the idea of a stopper before. And after a two-and-four homestand at Rogers Center that, I mean, there was a day off on Thursday, and it's Friday now, but... After that homestand in which even the few wins they had against the Cubs were just a real grind at times, you need your stopper to go out there and just end the other team. Doubly so to maybe send a message to the rest of the team after what is going to be a pretty long road trip. And that is exactly what Alec Manoa did tonight in Pittsburgh. And that is exactly what he does. I think every time he takes the mound, right, show if you want a guy that even when he's not at his most dominant, he will send that message and he will make batters work for every single plate appearance uh, when they're facing him. It's uh, it's really telling of, of, of the person that he is, of the athlete that he is. And again, today, that was on display here. It's um, It never gets old sort of seeing him uh, try to argue with the manager <laughs> to let him stay in for a couple more batters. It did make sense for John Schneider to pull him when he did with uh, with O'Neill Cruz coming up, a left-handed batter. We know that if there's one blemish to Manoa's season, it has been sort of his uh, aggressive splits there between right-handers and left-handers. All of that said, that's uh, I couldn't have put it better myself because – you know, I was covering the Blue Jays during that Cubs series and nothing so, came sorry. easily. <laughs> Thank you. I, I appreciate that. Nothing came easy for that team during that uh, yeah. during that series, right? It, the bats were not really there to start the game. It, it took a few innings for Blue Jays hitters to sort of settle in and, and that cost them at times. So seeing Manoa maintain himself as this constant presence and as you said, Sure, he's going to have bad outings or off days or whatever it is. It has never come to the point, though, where he pitches, say, two innings or two and a third, and you have to sort of emergency get him out of there, right? Even in his bad outings, he is still consistent enough to go five. And that is really, really impressive, especially considering the type of season that the Blue Jays are having. There's not a lot of consistency to be found. Right there, there's points in which some things are going really well and some things are not. But every five days, you have Alec Manoa, a guy who can give you the stability that maybe the rest of his of this team has been lacking. Yeah, you bring up a good point about how he he really even when he has to gut and grind through an outing, as we've seen. So before the Angels series, I feel like there was maybe. Mm, maybe three starts or four starts in a row where 
it felt like he was again. I don't want to use the word mediocre by any means because I feel like you you he has almost never been mediocre, which feels kind of wild to say for a starting pitcher and in, in especially in today's major league baseball. But even when he is gutting through and really laboring, it feels like it's he's still going five innings, maybe five and a third or five and two thirds or something like that. And you t- again in today's MLB where pitchers are going shorter and shorter outings, I just you take that anytime you get. And tonight. He was he was absolutely phenomenal once again. A second straight sparkling start from Alec Manoa. Seven and a third, five hits, no runs, one walk, six strikeouts on ninety-eight pitches thrown. And yeah, I don't have too many issues with him getting the hook for Mesa after seven and a third. Like it goes, you know, I've talked about this before. The idea of managing with urgency, and that's something we've discussed a lot this year. You kind of used the word uh, inconsistent, and I, I've used that word a lot when I'm describing the 2022 Toronto Blue Jays. I, I think a couple starts ago, uh, Ross Stripling used the word streaky, which I would say kind of says the same thing in terms of inconsistent streaky. And hey, a 4 nothing win on the road is always, you will take that 10 out of 10 times because they played well enough to win, and a win is a win. If you lose by 12 or you win by one, it's still one one loss or one win, right? It doesn't really matter. It really, you know, uh, Losing by a lot doesn't give you two losses on the win column, and winning by a lot doesn't give you two wins. So you'll take it. But managing with urgency, especially after some lackluster baseball, relatively speaking recently, you need a win. It's September now. People understand there's not a lot of runway left in the MLB calendar, and I think I don't really see anyone having a huge problem with getting the giving Manoa the hook in the uh, in the eighth inning. No, that's uh, that's just uh, you know managing with strategy and sort of managing with uh, with your head rather than your heart. Which again, I love and always will love the fact that Manoa pitches with his heart every single time, and he will gut it out when necessary, and he will fight for it when necessary. I mean, he's far past and we know that this is his first full MLB season but he's far past his innings pitched of last year he's at 163 now he had 111 and two-thirds last year that tells you a lot Uh, this was his 20th quality start in which a pitcher goes at least six innings and allows two runs or fewer that's second overall in Major League Baseball right now he's only trailing Framber Valdez from the Astros which is a pretty wild thing to say and if to you, think if, about. If you had to guess that there was one guy above, uh, beyond, or uh, ahead of, let's say, Alec Manoa, right. would you have guessed in a, in like 10 guesses that that guy would have been Framber Valdez? No, yeah, no. Neither and that's, would I have. that's something that I saw, and I think that he's on a streak of like 10 plus straight quality yeah, starts is, right that's now. That's wild, honestly. Which is, um, it's not necessarily what you'd, what you'd expect. But then again, I feel like maybe for most of Major League Baseball, Alec Manoa kind of came out of nowhere too, right? We, we know that he's good and we know the potential that he shows because we're here. But maybe in other markets, it hasn't really been, which is why we, I think we've talked about his all-star appearance as yeah. sort of being his coming out party for, for the league. And that's really where, where he got to showcase not only his talent, but also his personality. So Framber Valdez and Alec Manoa, maybe not who you, you would expect to, to top the two uh, quality start list there. But uh, that's that's just how baseball goes. That is Julia Kreutz. I'm Sho Ali. Welcome to Jay's Talk on the Sportsnet Radio Network. 
Uh, we are discussing this Jays 4 nothing win in Pittsburgh. Bo Bichette also giving the Blue Jays some late insurance with a home run. Uh, I believe he hasn't. You were telling me when that happened, Julia, that I guess he hasn't hit the a home run since he had the pair in the loss to Baltimore early in August. So it's been a while. It's been almost a full month since we saw right. a dinger from Bo, and it was good to see. Uh, the the Pirates outfielder, whoo, he just he ran full tilt into that wall. I thought almost kind of yeah. felt a little bad for him. I think he just, Ben mentioned it on the broadcast. I think he, uh, mistimed his steps or his, you know, didn't realize how far or close he was to the wall when he went, tried to go for the leap. Cause there was probably a chance he could have caught that ball it was right on the other side of the outfield wall. But Hey, Bobichet got a two run Jack. The Jays win four nothing in the end in Pittsburgh. Uh, why don't you give us a call? Four one six eight seven Oh zero five ninety one triple a triple six zero five ninety star five ninety on your cellular device. I see a couple texts on the text line, but shoot us one as well. 590, 590, name and location, please. Uh, Julia, why don't we go to our first caller here, Steve, calling in from Hamilton. Steve, welcome to JSTOCK. How's it going? Hey, how you doing? Uh, I guess uh, Blair and Barker are on vacation for the weekend. Uh, it's late. You uh, know, we, 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 give them a, we give them a spell when it's late and late at night sometimes. Yeah, yeah. you know, <laughs> I, this is a solid win tonight, and it, I think it uh, shows our depth. I know it's only Pittsburgh, but uh, this team's poised. You guys are falling into that media trap. You know, you're nitpicking little things and maybe weighing too many positives and negatives instead of looking at what we really got here. It's a really, really good defensive infield. We got Springer. We got Chapman. This team's all ready. They just haven't really clicked, you know. Uh, A couple good runs this year, 10-game runs, but – it's like the guys are saying it's the dog days of of August and September. Now, now they're going to get a little bit amped up and uh, everybody's sophomore better now. So uh, you're going to see things happen a little different in the next few weeks, I think. And uh, that's what I wanted to call it. Great. Thanks All for right. the call. Yeah. Thanks for the call, Steve. Appreciate it. Uh, yeah. I th- hey, look, I mean, John Schneider had said at the conclusion of the Cubs series, he had said something like, it's the guys don't need any extra motivation to know that the calendar has turned to September. And again, yeah, four, four runs you'll take. And again, without the Bobachet home run, the, the two runs really coming off the bat of Santiago Espinal. And I actually see a couple of texts on Espinal here. I do want to get to those, but uh, Hey, I, I think, yeah, you could, I think that we do nitpick sometimes. Absolutely. Yeah. But I, I, Hey, I mean, this is, this is still a very talented club. I think you, you also expect, Maybe, you know, I said before, I try not to schedule watch too much, Julia, but with four games on tap against the Baltimore Orioles starting on Monday, with a team that is fifth in the NL Central and the Pittsburgh Pirates, you have to win these games. Like they're like the, like I said, the runway is getting short. You must absolutely win these games. And a 4 nothing win, you'll take it again, 10 out of 10 times, 11 out of 10 times, but they, they just, they have to win these games because if they don't, it just makes, it makes it so much dicier. I mean, look, look at the uh, out of town scoreboard right now. The, the Rays are up nine, nothing on the New York Yankees. The Rays are 14 and four and they're past 18 games. And then the blue Jays have to play the Rays in five games and, and not next week, but the week after it is going to be a bloodbath for the AL East and for the uh, wild card, basically from now until the end of the regular season. Yeah, let me just preface my my next little bit here okay. by saying that I don't fall into the media trap. I set the media trap. Okay, let's just uh, okay. let's just start there. But I, I do, it. but I do understand um, what our caller is saying, and 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 I agree. I think that there is uh, some nitpicking that goes into 
the analysis that we do. Uh, I also think that games against the Pittsburgh Pirates are must win at this point. The Blue Jays loaded the bases twice today and they failed to score both times. Yes, there are several silver linings and there, there are several good things that came out of this game. A three-hit night for Bo Bichette. All three of them were hard-hit balls. The first homer in a while for him. We know that he's been grinding and he's been struggling. That's got to feel good for him. More importantly, he didn't strike out once, which has also been a problem for Bo Bichette. And then you have sort of the resurgence of, of uh, Santiago Espinal. You know, a couple of hits for him. He got a double, two RBIs. We know that he hasn't really seen as regular playing time maybe as he did in the beginning of the season. So this is really encouraging to see as well. And we know what he provides at second base defensively, how good he is. And if he can find that consistency at the plate again, if he can find regular playing time, that's exactly what the Blue Jays need. So these are all very good signs, right? Uh, Are there still points that need to be tightened up a little bit? A hundred percent there are. You can't have Jackie Bradley Jr. striking out with one out and the Mm. bases loaded, right? There are things that still need adjusting. All of that said, certainly encouraging to see the Blue Jays blank the Pittsburgh Pirates. Absolutely, yeah. There was a text here from, you mentioned Espinal, and this was the one I mentioned earlier. This is from Mike in Victoria, so thanks for, uh, I guess it's not super late. It's like about 7, 7.30 in, uh, in BC. Uh, Mike saying, hey guys, Espinal is a better defender than Merrifield and Biggio, a better hitter too, also an all-star. Don't know why he sits so much. We need our best lineup every night. And Mike, Mike has been, I will say to his credit, he's been very consistent. We all, he's always texts in to say we need our best lineup every night. And I, I, I will say I agree on the Espinal thing that you've brought up, that Mike brought up. It's funny to think that time really is a flat circle in the sense that you're having these conversations now that we were having in April, it felt like, in the sense that should Espinal be the everyday second baseman again? And what I look, I like the addition of Whit Merrifield, generally speaking, but he hasn't been used a lot as of late. And like Mike mentioned, Espinal is an all-star. I know, I know it kind of had something to do with fan voting and runners up and guys bowing out because of injury and so on. But still, he's not some it's not like he's some random guy. It's not some random end of bench guy. This is a guy who who was the everyday second baseman, thanks to his own play as recently as June or July, basically as recently as the All-Star break. And Cash is in the first few runs tonight. We all know the value he brings with the glove on defense. It just, again, I, the only thing I would say about Espinal, because I think he deserves to be the second everyday second baseman, I would just like to see him stop trying to steal bases. Maybe, like, no more stealing bases for Santiago Espinal. I think he's four for ten this year after the failed attempt earlier today. He's not exactly uh, the, the best base stealer out there, so maybe I'd like to see. But again, hey, that's a part of the philosophical shift we have seen from the Blue Jays since John Schneider became manager. They are just a way more aggressive team. But... Uh, He's he's just so good at a lot of things. I we need to see more playing time for Espinal. Oh, I couldn't agree more. And it's not like his um, numbers dropped tremendously to sort of warrant that. The only thing that I can think of, and you know, obviously, I'm not in the mind or in the room when these conversations are being had. Uh, the only thing I can think of is that if you are circling through these guys in the middle infield and sort of giving everyone a chance to catch their breath, because we know how taxing the month of August is and, and just how incredibly busy this schedule has been for the Blue Jays, then sure, if, if you want to make sure that these guys have their days off and that they're ready to go when it's playoff time or when, you know, say the Blue Jays sort of make a good run for it with the, thing, the way things are going for the Yankees, 
the pennant race is still very much open in, in the American League East, and you want to have your best lineup saved up for that final stretch, sure, I can understand that, and, and that makes sense. But when you're looking at the contributions of, say, Whit Merrifield, it, it doesn't really make that much sense to me to, to have him over Espinal. Kevin Biggio has been a pretty nice surprise yeah. of late. He has found his footing pretty well. Yeah. He's not going to be a power hitter. It was nice to see him hit a homer against the Cubs. That's not necessarily going to be the case uh, regularly for him, but his uh, on-base percentage is really high. His potential to sort of to get on base and to make things happen is um, is pretty enticing. And again, the versatility that he shows in the field is awesome, and it's something that the Blue Jays have valued as well. Now, does it make sense for Espinal to sit as much as he has? I don't think it does. And I would love to hear if there are any callers or texters that disagree with that, that think that, that, that it's good the way that, that things are being done in the, in the sense of the platoon and whatnot. But, you know, he showed again today that he's a guy that can, that can get things going for you. Absolutely. I would, again, I would love to see more playing time for Espinal. I think Mike agrees. Uh, before we take a quick break, I, uh, I see a couple of texts here and a couple of tweets on uh, Manoa Cy Young talk. Manoa Cy Young. Do we, or do we give, this is from Eric Danette. I hope I didn't butcher your last name, Eric, but on Twitter. And he just replied to the end of game tweet that the fan sent out saying, it was a simple question. Are we giving Manoa enough Cy Young talk? And you look at some of these other texts as well. Greg and Barry, I love the never quit grit from Manoa, always wanting to go longer, wanting the ball. That's the type of competitor you want on your team. I get the matchups, but I can't wait to see the day he actually talks a manager out of taking him out of the game. Uh, Stephen uh, from Williams Lake, what a brilliant performance from Manoa. What type of money or contract do you think he will look for when eligible? It's whatever it is going to be a lot of money. It's going to be several hundred million dollars. It's whatever that, but I mean, I, oh, yeah. I don't think he's not going to get that amount of money for what three more seasons, four more seasons. Probably. I know they, there's a lot of talk with, with guys getting contracts sooner rather than later. And if that happens, you kind of have to pay up for buying some of those RB years and free agent years and so on. So, but I have no doubt that when it, whenever he gets a contract, I don't know if it'll be like Garrett Cole money, but it, it it's going to be a lot of money. I'll say that much. Yeah, I'm not one to speculate on contracts because I, I don't even think that we can in terms of, you know, what's the dollar going to be worth in uh, three years when he finally does sign that type of deal. But it is going to be a lot of money. Yeah. And uh, if it's with the Blue Jays, I wouldn't be surprised if it makes the record books, right? As for Cy Young, Cy Young talk, I am all for it. I think that Manoa has shown uh, enough consistency and he has proven himself in, you know, enough of a strikeout guy, enough of a guy that, you know, if you give him the ball in that big moment, he is going to get you an out or he is going to induce some soft contact. Whatever it is, it is that the team needs, he's the guy for you. So I'm all I'm here for the Cy Young talk and would love to to, to hear what the callers say as well. Do you think uh, with with McClanahan and Verlander both on the IL guys that were probably front run? I know I think Verlander was probably the front runner for the Cy Young you know, narrative probably working in his, I mean, he was playing very ridiculously sure. attractive pitching matchups, pitching yes. ball. He was very, very, very good this season. And it sounds like the injury he had was like a, some kind of leg injury. So instead of a, it being a shoulder or arm thing, so it sounds like he'll probably be back after this, this, the relatively short stint on the IL. So he'll probably only end up missing two or three starts. But apart from Verlander, Dylan Cease is a guy in the Cy Young conversation. He's playing pretty well. McClanahan had the left shoulder impingement, I think, a couple weeks or last week, I want to say. So those are the guys 
probably in or near the conversation with Alec Manoa, but Hey, I mean, if there's a dark horse to win AL Cy Young, if those are the three guys ahead of him, I mean, the, I feel like the only other guy who might beat him out is his teammate, Kevin Gossman. Like, right. Those are the top five for me, probably. Yeah, I would agree with you. I think that the fact that he has avoided injury all season uh, is really telling. Again, this is his first full major league season, and he has shown no signs of slowing down. Even when he's bad, he's kind of good, which is, again, really unbelievable for a guy as young as he is and with uh, with the amount of major league experience that he has with just Justin Verlander and uh, McClanahan for sure it kind of hurts a little bit their chances I don't know how much time they're going to miss and right. and let's hope it's not a lot of time I don't think it's worth to <laughs> to cheer for anyone's failure or injury or for whatever reason it is uh, it, it will depend on that because I, I do think that they were having slightly better seasons than Manoa was Again, if you're talking about the most valuable player, there's something to be said about staying healthy for an entire season, right? So don't know how much that goes into consideration here. Dylan sees kind of struggled at the beginning of the year. That's true. He yep. found his way for sure, and he's been very, very dominant. But again, talking about consistency, talking about the regularity, you know, a guy that you can actually count on when the lights shine a little brighter I would still give it to Manoa just because the expectations and the pressure have been on from day one in Toronto and he has not faltered at all. So again, I mean, I, he would have my vote and I I don't vote yet. (laughs) That day will come. I I don't get a vote yet, but uh, if I did, I, I honestly would vote for him at this point. I think it'll all depend on how Verlander bounces back how McClanahan bounces back, yeah, yeah. but Manoa just keeps on going, and that's pretty unbelievable. I think if Verlander comes back from his injury and is dominant immediately, then I think he's going to win it because, again, not only is he actually playing very well, he also has the whole coming back after a year and a half away from baseball, historically good pitcher, guys going to the Hall of Fame, comes back and dominates after TJ surgery, and so I think that that's probably going to be too much for people to pass up, And even if there's guys who are pitching just as well, if not slightly better than him, but if he comes back and falters and Alec Manoa pitches like he has over the last couple of starts, hey, I mean, you could, you could do a lot worse than picking Alec Manoa for the AL Cy Young, and he was Again, phenomenal tonight. Seven and a third innings pitched. Five hits, no runs, just one walk, six strikeouts with 98 pitches thrown. But that's Julia Kreutz. I'm Show Ali. You're listening to Jay's Talk here on the Sportsnet Radio Network. We're going to step aside, take a quick break. When we come back, check back to with the uh, text line, 590-590, the phone lines as well, and the Bet365 standings update on the other side as well. But that's Julia. I'm Show. You're listening to Jay's Talk on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Welcome back to Jay's Talk on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Show Ali and Julia Kreutz with you as we discuss this Jay's 4-0 win in Pittsburgh. We appreciate you being alongside us. And don't forget this copyright broadcast. It's presented by Authority of Rogers Blue Jays Baseball Partnership and may not be reproduced or retransmitted in any form. And the accounts and descriptions of this game may not be disseminated without the express written consent of Rogers Blue Jays Baseball Partnership or the Sportsnet Radio Network. Or so they tell me. Uh, Julia, let's get to the Bet365 standings update. With Bet365, you can watch thousands of live games, build your own bet, and you can even make a bet while the game's still being played. 19-plus play responsibly. Ontario only. The Yankees game actually just went final moments ago. 
So it is official. The Rays walloping the New York Yankees 9 nothing. I actually see a text line, a text on the text line here. And again, you can shoot us one at 590-590, name and location. Joseph from Mississauga just texted in, Julia, to say, man, these Yankee tears are sweet. So uh, that's that's how things are going whenever the Yankees lose, much less to a division rival. So with that loss, the Yankees are now 79-53. and The Rays are 73-57, and which I believe cuts the division lead for the Rays to five games. Woof. Uh, that is, I'll put it this way. This is from Mark Topkin, who writes for the Tampa Bay Times. Uh, one of the better Rays beat writers, I think, out there. He he uh, tweets, Rays were 15 and a half games back on July 10th, and it is now September 2nd. They are just five games back. Uh, with the win, the Blue Jays are 71 and 59, so I guess that would make them two games back with the Rays winning tonight of Tampa Bay. Baltimore uh, is 70 and 61. They beat the Oakland Athletics 5-2 tonight as well, and the Boston Red Sox are 65 and 68 and they I don't know what the final score was but they smoked the Texas Rangers. So a lot of a winning going on tonight in yeah. the AL East. Yeah, it tells you just how important these games are, right? In 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 Pittsburgh and and otherwise. I mean, it doesn't get any easier. The Blue Jays after this go to Baltimore, they also go to Tampa or St. Petersburg where they actually play their home games. Look, I you know what I I'm actually responsible for on occasion sending out the tweets from the fan account and I once said <laughs> the Jays won in Tampa. And I guess tech, I guess the Rays don't technically play in Tampa. I guess not. I, I, I learned. Thanks for the Twitter. I learned that. I, I mean, do the New York Giants play in New York? <laughs> no, no, they, they don't. don't. I mean, <laughs> does life make sense? Eh, debatable. But, you know, every every win from now on will count, especially when you have these matchups coming up, especially when you have a double header in Baltimore, which will cause the Blue Jays to apparently have a bullpen day tomorrow. Mm-hmm. You got to keep winning these games. When you have Alec Manoa on the mound, and the Pittsburgh Pirates cycle through as many pitchers as they did as they did today, kind of becomes a must-win for sure. And good on the Blue Jays for pulling it off. Not only pulling it off, but doing a, a good job offensively. It's funny show because the Blue Jays' offensive approach is not necessarily bad, and it hasn't been bad even in the if you go back to the Angels series. They they don't really strike out a whole lot. The thing is, is that at times they also seem incapable to capitalize on runners in scoring positions with, you know, it has been sort of a narrative throughout the season for the Jays, but it's kind of interesting to see. They did strike out a lot today, but in the Cubs series, there were a couple of games there where they had two strikeouts all game, right? And it still took a little bit for the bats to, to get going. When they do, you see, you see a lot of hard hit balls. You see Bo Bichette just hitting doubles left, right, and center, and the Blue Jays cashing in on those runs. Um, It's just, you know, again, you go back to the inconsistency, right? When you have two innings with the bases loaded and you fail to score anyone, it, it can be frustrating, not just for fans, but also for the players themselves. And I think we kind of saw some questionable calls in terms of balls and strikes today, things that could have gone a little bit differently. I'm not one really to argue about that or, or, or really mention that in general, but when you're talking about September 2nd and uh, the American League East pennant as close as it is, those things will matter. So good on the Blue Jays for not only going out and getting the shutout win, but for getting a lot of contribution from the bottom of their lineup, right? And it's pretty unbelievable to say or put Bichette in that category of sorts, but 
he is hitting maybe a little uh, more down than 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 we're used to. He gets three hits today. Matt Chapman gets one. Matt Chapman walked three times today. Yeah. Again, pretty unbelievable. Biggio contributes. Espinal contributes. It was it was good to see, and I think that that's something that maybe was lacking a little bit in that last homestand. Seven walks tonight from the Toronto Blue Jays, and I can, I can't help but think that. It definitely showed some patience. It also showed that a lot of the Pittsburgh pitchers couldn't find the strike zone. Johan Oviedo, he he was having some real troubles. He he went up to almost 80 pitches or thereabouts in three innings of work. It was that, I I think, again, I think the Blue Jays did work him a little bit there. And like you said, there were some questionable calls for both teams tonight by the umpires. Bring me robot umpires as soon as humanly possible. But uh, also, it's just... Pittsburgh is not very good. They got they had to take advantage of a team that the teams that aren't very good. And I think that's why there's some lingering frustration after the Angels and Cubs series because there are also teams that are not very good. You mentioned the Blue Jays don't strike out a ton and they just sometimes fail to capitalize on momentum. I'm I'm not saying they could have easily gotten to Shohei Otani last weekend. And that it's it's never going to be easy getting to Shohei Otani. The guy's a unicorn, and you saw that with your own eyes, and you heard that with your own ears at Rogers Center last week. Uh, I guess it was Saturday, but they're like they were getting deeper into counts earlier in that ball game, and then they just all of a sudden stopped doing that. So I think you want to see them do that more often against teams like the Pirates because they have to, because the margin for error when they go to Camden Yards in a couple of days is going to be much smaller than it is at PNC Park this weekend. And we all know what happened last time they they played at Camden Yards. It wasn't pretty. And uh, in many ways, it was kind of good that the rain sort of put an end to that because Blue Jays just couldn't really find themselves, I guess. But yeah, it's... uh, you know, it's it. That's the way that it's going to be from now until the end of the season. I think that we're gonna see, we're gonna see a lot of grind because that's just who the, the Blue Jays are as a team. Ross Atkins said so in his media availability earlier this week. Uh, John Schneider has said it every single day. <laughs> He's told reporters that every single day. The confidence is high. They're having very honest conversations with each other. They're being very transparent. The leadership group inside of that clubhouse. Uh, has held guys accountable at times when the offense falters or when there are mental lapses on defense. That is also a very encouraging sign to know that there is that type of leadership in that clubhouse, which will be so important uh, come playoff time. The Blue Jays are a playoff team. I don't think that there's any doubt there. It would take a disaster to 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 get them out of a playoff spot. But that does include... That does mean that they have to take care of business, not just in Pittsburgh, but also in Baltimore. And I think it's a good thing, honestly, that they are saving two of their everyday starters for that series and having a a bullpen day tomorrow. It it does make sense when you think about the matchups. There's so much baseball left to be played. And Ross Atkins said it himself that the most important series this month will be in Baltimore and Tampa. Yeah, and I mean, look, the... The division lead has been cut to such a small one, given that the Yankees were up on, I, I, at times it was the Blue Jays, at times it was the Red Sox, at times it was the Orioles, uh, well, never the Orioles, but at times it was the Rays. And But still, they were up by 15 to 16 to 17 games on the division at some points this year, and now it's down to five for the Rays, and the Jays are only a handful behind that. It's very doable. Again, it, unlikely, perhaps, just because of the... just because of what the rest of the schedule looks like, but it's definitely possible. No one would be all that surprised if the Jays finished 
with the first, second, or third wildcard spots whenever the season does end. And certainly not just within the AL East. You have to monitor the Seattle Mariners as well, who also won tonight, looking at the Bet365 standings update. Um, I wanted to get back to the text line here, Julia. I saw a couple interesting ones here at 590-590 and send your name and locations. We can give you a shout-out. This one's from... I'm going to read these two together, actually. This one's from Ruben in Alberta, who texts in often. Appreciate it, Ruben. Uh, I like how John Schneider has managed a team since taking over, but I don't understand letting Bradley Jr. hit in the eighth with the bases loaded, having Tapia, Gurriel, Merrifield, and Jansen on the bench. All better options, but got the W, though. That's the most important thing. Ryan in Orangeville, uh, this offense is stranding, kind of in the same vein as what you were saying and what Ruben is saying. This offense is stranding a lot of runners lately, a lot of bases loaded situations without crooked numbers, too many zeros. Let's just hope they can get the bats going before going to Baltimore. Still optimistic. Just worried about the pattern of bad pitchers getting through our best hitters, but Bo has been heating up in a low-key way lately. That is a huge positive. And yeah, there was that spot, and a lot of people have keyed in on this, and you did too earlier. There was that spot in the eighth inning where JBJ comes to the plate, one out, the bases were loaded. He gets the count, I think the 3-2, he strikes out. He swings at two pitches that were clearly balls, one low and away and one above the strike zone. And look, we have seen Jackie Bradley Jr. work bases loaded walks for RBI relatively recently. So that by itself already makes me more confident in him than let's say a Bradley Zimmer. I would I would probably say pretty safely. I think everyone out there agrees. Having said that, even though I have enjoyed seeing Bradley Jr. play for the Jays in the outfield, he, he gives you some real confidence when he's out there. He has a cannon for an arm. Uh, very accurate. He has let loose some very pretty throws. We have seen both on the road and at Rogers Center, but not being able to pinch hit him for pretty much any of those guys that Ruben mentioned. Again, maybe it could have been Tapia. I wouldn't have mind seeing Jan- Danny Jansen in there, and then you you kind of finagle the lineup after that. I think that just underscores how perhaps not great the bench situation is right in this very specific moment in time. It probably goes back to a certain degree to the pregame news that Lourdes Gurriel Jr. has some kind of nagging wrist injury he is nursing because otherwise he probably would have been that guy. He probably wouldn't have been in the game to start or he, they would have pinch hit him in that spot. If they could have, they didn't. So maybe that speaks to they're not, not taking any chances and they won in the end. So it's, it is a nitpick, but, but still it's just, it's, you don't want to see Jackie Bradley jr. Swinging away with the bases loaded with less than two outs. Yeah. And you know, what's puzzling about that too, is if I'm not terribly mistaken, wasn't Danny Jansen in uh, to catch the bottom of the ninth. He was. He did go in at the end. Yeah. So when that, uh, Simber went in. So that would have been, you know, maybe something to consider. Again, we can't know what kind of conversations were happening in in the Blue Jays dugout, who Schneider conferred with, and and why he decided not to pinch hit for Jackie Bradley Jr. There, I, it's there's just certain things that that we we can't really know. But the fact that Danny Jansen came into the game to catch the ninth makes that decision a little bit more puzzling to me because he would have been a better option there when he, when it comes, obviously he's kind of positioned himself as not necessarily a contact guy. I think that there's, there's power there and he's trying to do something very specific in which he's trying to pull the ball. He's been very open about that. Maybe you lo- you're looking at matchups. Maybe you are looking at the fact that, Danny Jansen was not in the game. He was not warmed up. He he hadn't taken a single at bat, and that can do something mentally to you as well. Jackie Bradley Jr. is a veteran, right? If you're going to trust someone 
let it be a veteran in that position. So there are things that can sort of justify it, but with the game that close and with one out and with the bases loaded, you kind of want a better chance of driving in a run than what JBJ has been giving the Blue Jays so far in his uh, young tenure with the team. That said, it kind of worked out in the end. I mean, I don't think anyone's sweating that too much when you look at a 4 nothing win. And we'll see... We'll see if Danny Jansen is in the lineup tomorrow. I mean, he's definitely been heating up as well. You're talking about guys that are finding their way back. That's Danny Jansen for you, as well as Bo Bichette. Uh, I wanted to get back to that text line here, Julia. I see one here from Brandon in Toronto. Schneider deserves a lot of credit for bullpen management tonight with the bullpen game tomorrow, pushing Manoa and sitting down Romano with the four-run lead with Romano, Garcia, and Bass rested. They only need to find six innings from the other guys tomorrow. And... I mean, hey, maybe maybe Garcia goes goes for four out. Maybe Romano and Garcia each go for four outs if they're called to, and we've seen Romano go for more than that relatively recently. So maybe there's some leeway there in terms of instead of strictly saying Bass is the seventh inning guy, Garcia is the eighth inning guy, Romano is the ninth inning guy. And I mean, I like those roles for them. Don't get me wrong, but there's probably some wiggle room in there. So, but still, I think I'd seen that Trevor Richards is getting the start tomorrow for the Blue Jays in this bullpen day. Still, I, I would imagine that. If you're piecing together a ball game and it goes as ideally as you'd hope it goes, then I would think that if maybe Richards goes, you'd think one time through the order, if he can possibly do that, then you get the ball into the hands of Casey Lawrence. Then maybe the next guy is Yusei Kikuchi. Maybe the, maybe those are the three names we see first out of the bullpen tomorrow. Uh, Trevor Richards, though, getting the start. That's really interesting to me because, again, I like the text from Brandon. I like the bullpen management tonight. And we can talk about Tim Mazza because Tim Mazza has been very impressive since coming back way quicker than I ever imagined he would from dislocating his shoulder. So that's really great to see. I think he had a 90 mile an hour slider tonight at one point, which was, whoo, that was really, that was really nice to see. That's but, what you need from him right now. But Trevor Richards getting the start tomorrow. That's uh, I, I don't want to say a shock, but I, I did, I, I, I did expect Casey Lawrence to get the start tomorrow instead. Yeah, me too. I mean, it's very clear that Trevor Richards will start as an opener and the Blue Jays will sort of see where things go from there. Let's not forget that, David Phelps is kind of a sneaky guy out of that bullpen too when it comes to giving you over one inning of work. He's he's a guy that has spent some time as a starter. So not only is his pitch mix sort of uh, geared towards that uh, starter's mentality, but he also has a little bit more maybe in the tank than a guy like, say, Anthony Bass or Jordan Romano uh, or even, even Jimmy Garcia who uh, – I think we will see for a little over an inning if necessary tomorrow. I think that he's proven that he can be that guy. Lately, he's been very efficient with his pitch count as well, which bodes well for the Blue Jays when, the, when you're talking about a bullpen game and, and someone who's as dominant as Jimmy Garcia and who is very economical with his, with his pitches. It's so true about the, about the bullpen management. You, can, you come off an off day, you let Alec Manoa do his thing until the matchup dictates that it's time for him to come out. You sit Jordan Romano. You let Adam Simber take the reins there, and he did a fantastic job. I think we can all agree on that. You're in a very good position for tomorrow. Now, Trevor Richards, maybe the thing is that John Schneider trusts him a little more when you're talking about the top of a lineup, and then you have a guy like Casey Lawrence and or you say Kikuchi coming in when things are perhaps a little bit more under control 
at the beginning of the game. It's possible. We also know that Yusei Kikuchi has not been the most reliable uh, when it comes to top of orders or first innings. So it's that's something that most likely went into consideration as well. And Casey Lawrence hasn't pitched in the majors for a while. So if you want to give yourself the best chance to to, to win a game and you know you're going to go with a bullpen game, why not put Trevor Richards in there as an opener, a guy who has not necessarily been as consistent as we have seen him in uh, years past, but he is a guy that has enough experience and has the stuff to navigate his way through the top of that order, and then you hand it over to the bulk guys. Well, we've also seen, even if you want to take an example from other major league ball clubs, and you look at the Rays, who obviously made made popularized the idea of an opener relatively recently, the last couple seasons or so, uh, you know, you look at how they use guys like Jalen Beeks or or Sean Armstrong or Springs or uh, not not so much Poche, for example, but but Jalen Beeks is a good example, I think. For sure. Or Matt Whistler before he got injured, right? These are guys who will go. They don't. Even, I don't even. I don't even think they do go a full time through the order. I think they'll go maybe just one inning, and they get out, or they go one inning and a and a third, and then they get the yank, and then you get Casey Lawrence in there, or you get uh, like you said, you say Kikuchi. I'm, I gotta say, I, I'm I am. I don't know if like morbidly fascinated is the word to use when uh, when looking at what we might see from Kikuchi I tomorrow. <laughs> because morbidly fascinated. Because <laughs> wow. well, he sometimes looks so good. Like he looks yeah. like he has the nastiest velo in the world, and he, he's really dealing. He's striking guys out. He's being confident, and he'll give up a towering home run. I just if you can get through the appearances of let's just say Richards, Lawrence, and Kikuchi tomorrow, and you're getting it's two to three runs. I think you take that, honestly. I think you take that and you run. Oh, yeah. And again, you trust that the offense is, is good enough and hot enough to to make up for it on, on the other end, which on paper, that should be the case. And I think that, again, tonight's performance offensively shows that the Blue Jays are trending in the right direction and sort of continuing what we saw in the Cubs series when it comes to their lineup. Yeah, I'm re- really looking forward to tomorrow. Again, Trevor Richards getting the start and a uh, real quick Tim Meza 90 minute slot 90 mile an hour slider he has looked uh, much better he looked a little rusty to start but he looked much better as of late yeah and that's exactly what you need from from Tim Meza going forward he is the only lefty reliever in that uh, in that bullpen still so big moments for him coming up and it's it's good to see how well he's bounced back for sure that is Julia Kreutz I'm show Ali that does it for Jay's talk tonight Appreciate the calls and texts as always. Thanks for listening to Blue Jays Baseball, served up by the always game-ready Jack Links meets next. Feature wild side baseball fans. Jays knock off the Pirates, a 4-0 win in Pittsburgh, and tomorrow more evening baseball at PNC Park. A bullpen day in order with Richards on tap for the start. Casey Lawrence and Yusei Kikuchi in the cards as well. That's on tap for Saturday night. But for Armin, Tom, Julia, I'm Show. Julia and I have Jays talk all weekend long. Have a great Friday night. Talk to you tomorrow.